And I'm sitting on the same table as some of the biggest names in the industry. PewDiePie, Markiplier, Jacksepticeye. And I look over and I'm like, did I hear that correct? Welcome to Real Time. I'm Gage. Today I have with me one of the most popular gaming YouTubers of all time, best known for his group GTA 5 videos, with his friends Jelly and Slugoman, former member of the YouTube gaming group Robust, and the founder of Launch My NFT, the one, the only, the OG, Quabble Cop. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for the introduction. You started off your YouTube channel by posting Call of Duty and Minecraft videos. What or who inspired you to start creating YouTube videos? I was inspired by a few uh, OG uh, YouTubers. Um, Frankie on PC in 1080p was a big inspiration. Um, we had Woody's Gamer Tag. Uh, uh, CNNers was a big one. Yeah. Syndicate was a huge, 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 huge inspiration of mine. Um, and 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 with that, I decided to uh, get started on YouTube. Yeah, good times. And you started around what, 2010 or 2011? I started making YouTube videos in 2008. And that was just... That's my first like I made a I made a YouTube video once a year. You know what I mean? Just like that's officially when I got started. But um, I counted from 2012, and that's when I really started committing to it. That's when uh, there was this summer summer holiday, and I was very bored, and I was watching all my favorite YouTubers, and then I just had a feeling. I, I there was this weird feeling that came over me and said, "Let's go." And I just said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to commit to it. I'm going to be a YouTuber. And I never looked back. Uh, 27th of August, 2012 is when uh, when I really officially started it. But I say in 2012, I started uh, with daily videos. And then it's almost 2022 which will be my 10-year uh, anniversary. Well, congratulations on that. Thank Back you. when you started, YouTube was a totally different platform, right? I mean, yep. was it was it just a hobby or did you ever have aspirations to do it full-time? Was that even a thing back then? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, so um, I knew very quickly that uh, there would be ways to make money, right? And, and it just made total sense. You know, people selling merchandise, you're like, oh, okay, you can make money with this. That's not even knowing uh, uh, the nitty gritty behind things. And for me, it was very simple. I love playing video games and I, I have played video games my entire life. Uh, it was it was a dream to be to be able to say I can play video games for a living. Right. And that's just what I wanted to do. Uh, literally, that's it. Right. So I told my mom, I said, Mom, I don't want to go to university. I don't want to become a doctor. I don't want to do any of those boring jobs. I want to be able to play video games for a living. And my mom was like, yo, you're crazy, man. Um, and, and that's what I set out to do. And uh, one way to do that was at, by making YouTube videos. And I love making YouTube videos. I love entertaining people, right? I love just making videos in general. Uh, and, and the combination of, of uh, loving video games and loving uh, making videos resulted in me making YouTube videos every day which eventually resulted into me being able to do it full time. And you can, I can comfortably say a lot more than just full time. At what point did you like realize though, like I'm able to do this full time. I'm making a decent living doing this. Like, was that uh, mind blowing for you? Uh, it was mind blowing. It was a very, very nice moment. Uh, I went up to my mom and I said, mom, cause I used to live with my mom back then. I said, mom, I'm making this much. Right. And it's, it's, it's this is a crazy number for like an 18, 19 year old. Um, and she said, wow, okay, cool. Uh, now you got to pay taxes. And that's when it kind of, I kind of realized, oh, yep, nope. 
You're right. That's uh, <laughs> that's how the real world. Yeah. So I, I very quickly did I feel like, oh, okay, I'm an adult, and um, uh, uh, that's when I only imagined the possibilities, and I, I set some very ambitious goals. Uh, to keep me going and that's why i'm still going you didn't go to university was there ever any like pressure on you that you might not make it did you ever think you might you know fail well uh yes obviously um but my mom um at, at the start of the, all of this it was a lot of mom at the start because yeah. you know um she she made a very good point she said um you know i used to go to university uh, i did this i did that and i have a whole career you know behind me and even I'm having like a hard time trying to get a job. And she said, you know, at my job, she was an HR manager uh, at, at a call center, not the one doing the call center stuff, but she was the manager there, uh, HR manager. Um, she said, uh, she said, well, some people working here doing the actual calling have gone to university. There were pilots there that couldn't have a job. And that really made me, think, oh, you know what? This whole idea of go to university to go and get yourself a job, uh, that's the most big, that's the biggest, uh, uh, you know, the biggest BS uh, that, that society teaches you. You're not guaranteed to get anything. You're just going to be more qualified to potentially get something. That doesn't mean you're going to get something. So I very quickly realized, oh, okay, it's much more about a lot of other things that uh, that impact um, your cash flow rather than getting a piece of paper. It's j literally just a piece of paper. And now me being in a position where I hire a bunch of people and have a bunch of people working for me, I realize it's just a piece of paper. There's so much more that goes into it. And uh, um, therefore, I'm like, okay, well, I've, I'm set for life regarding money and job and career. Like, I'm good. I, I don't ever... I, I'm I'm in a such a good position that I don't ever have to worry about that ever again. And if I do have to worry about it, I know like within no time I'll be out of it. So let's say you did go to university. What do you think you would have majored in? Yes, uh, great question. So there were a few things on my list. The highest one on my list at the start was I wanted to become an ar architect. Then I did a, a internship and I thought it was very boring. <laughs> uh, then I wanted to go the same path my dad went into and that was become a doctor, a, sh a surgeon. Decided that was too much schooling I had to do. I would have still been in university now. But then knowing what I know now, I most likely would have become a programmer and uh, specifically, uh, uh, you know, something uh, computer science uh, direction. I think that's where knowing myself now, my biggest passion would lie if I'd have to pick any form of uh, education. Uh, but I, I was actually rejected at one university, one really? I applied to. It was the movie, uh, movie academy. So they... <laughs> They oh. uh, declined me there, and uh, look, he's laughing now, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good feeling, though. What made you uh, have an interest in, say, GTA and start posting uh, GTA videos? Yeah, so GTA was actually one of my favorite games growing up. Like, all my childhood, would I play San Andreas, GTA 3, GTA 4. Um, and and uh, when I was making YouTube videos, I also played a bunch of Call of Duty I realized every time a new game comes out, it's like big, right? And, you know, this is every YouTuber knows this. Something new is out, everyone's going to cover it. And and that's when GTA came out. And 
I love the previous GTA videos. I made some videos on GTA before that. And um, me and some friends, we jumped on it and made a bunch of videos and realized there's so much to do here. It's its whole entire world. Um, and that's where, uh, that's where it all came from. You're famous for robust and, um, you know, you had your friends, Jelly and Slogan. How did you meet them? Funny story. So, um, I was making a bunch of GTA videos and it was a lot of fun and people really liked them. Uh, that's when, uh, the channel grew even more right before this, it already grew on Call of Duty. Um, and, and, and then in the GTA, early GTA days, we had GTA, but we've also had Slither, Happy Wheels, and all these other games, right? It is too much to name. I started realizing that if I want to make cool GTA videos, there's only so much single-player stuff I can do. I need people to play with. So I joined a few groups, uh, and one was called That that Dudes, or The Dudes. No one, right. no one even <laughs> remembers any of that, I bet. Um, and, and at one point I decided to start my own group with a few other guys. Guess who those guys were? Jelly and Slogo. No. No. <laughs> That's wow. what everyone thinks. It was Cody Brown and Akeeb TV. And we started a group called Robust. That's oh. how we would say it. So we started a group with those three guys. And, um, we never said, hey, it's just a group for three people. So we started looking for more people to join the group. And... Uh, because I would make GTA 5 stun montages, I ran into this community channel, uh, GTA 5 something, um, and uh, uh, I wanted to post my videos on there. And the guy goes, yo, let's meet up. I'm in the Netherlands. And he's going to bring his co-founder. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Jelly was the co-founder, right? <laughs> and yep. I met up with Stefan and Jelly, and we went for some tea, and we chilled in Amsterdam. And I said, listen, I want to make these videos. And Jelly looks at me and goes, I want to make the same videos as you. We came up with some funny, stupid uh, videos in GTA. And that's when I said, okay, Jelly, join our group, our robust group. This is also when Akib left. So it was me, Jelly, and Cody. Right. And Jelly barely spoke, uh, like he spoke English, but it was, uh, um, you can tell he had an accent. I had an accent. It was it was just unorganized. We would just make videos and race and talk and this and that. Um and and we started doing more and more and more of it, and it started getting more and more views. And Jelly eventually, we said, "Yo, make your own channel." His his name his real name's Yella, but uh, in these videos, we said, "I'm not gonna call you Yella. That doesn't roll off the tongue very well. I'm gonna start calling you Jelly. Right? I'm gonna call you Jelly." And then he goes, "I gotta make a new channel." We go, "Guess what? It's gonna be called Jelly." And uh, uh, he made the new channel. We all shouted out the new channel. Very quickly did it blow up. And uh, we started making more and more and more videos. And um, keep a few months. We're, you know, we're starting to grow, 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 grow. We go to this gaming event called Gamescom. And there we meet up with this other YouTuber we know called The Gaming Lemon. We made a video with him. He introduces us to uh, one of his best friends, Slogo Man. Josh. Yeah. Um, and there uh, uh, we decided, hey, okay, join us. Uh, Jelly he, uh, stopped his uh, university. Uh, Slogo is still going to school. Cody was still there too. We started making videos together. Eventually, Cody, uh, uh, we had a falling out with Cody uh, and he left. And then it was me, Jelly, and Slogo. And for years, we just kept making videos. We kept on... Um, studying the YouTube game. Uh, we made a bunch of IRL videos, and those were the ones that really took off. 
Uh, that was what set us apart. We added in the, the personality-based uh, content rather than us just being a group of guys that play games. It's like, no, we actually show you we're there together and we go and, and make it very personal. Uh, and everyone had their own uh, unique selling points. We made a lot of videos together. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really how we met. Why do you think your GTA videos with uh, Jelly and Slogoman did so well? Like, is there anything that you, you could like pinpoint the success or was it random? It was a bunch of things, right? So first of all, uh, we'd really had mastered the um, uh, the early days of YouTube, right? And and uh, we would make these videos on crazy races. I would, we would spend hours looking for these races because uh, that's what that's what our main thing was, right? Uh, we'd spend hours trying to come up with cool video concepts and hours on trying to come up with dope thumbnails and titles. And we would all share it around and um, uh, really, really try to uh, make the best videos possible for uh, the audience. Um, and everyone had their own strengths, right? And everyone had their own weaknesses. And it was it was a combination of all of us doing that over and over and over, day in, day out. It was a grind a grind that you can never imagine. Uh, it was every day, hours and hours of recording, of editing, of thumbnail making, of uploading. 14 to 16 hour days were common. So much so that, you know, school was not a thing. Seeing friends was not a thing. And those were the really grindy days, the early yeah. days. But they set a tone of like, this is what's possible if you spend some time and energy on focusing on a YouTube. The grind with, I mean, what, what do you think the longest like recording session you had was? Oh, we've had eight hour recording <laughs> sessions, right? That's like pretty common, a full work day. You wake up and then you get on, get on Discord, get on TeamSpeak, on Skype, whatever we used back then. And then it's like, cool, go. All right. And someone goes, I got to go on holiday next week, or I got to go <laughs> to LA for a week or two weeks. I'm out. And you're like, all right, let's pre-record all these videos because we would post two videos a day. Yeah. And then it's just like, all right, let's source these videos. Let's set them up. Sometimes a race would take two, three hours, right? And, we're, and then the game would crash. You're like, ah, I lost the recording, right? Yeah. But we, we would we would often spend uh, six to eight hour days of recording. Like that's just the recording part, right? Were you editing at the time or did you have editors? Yeah, for a very long time, would I do everything myself until I like really start burning out um and a funny story there uh, i was grinding away of still being able to post two videos a day when i uh, when i had to go to seattle and in seattle i was invited by the biggest youtuber in the world pewdiepie he goes come to seattle uh we're gonna do some fun stuff there and i would love to meet you jelly and you know everyone i'm grinding away editing grinding away editing 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 and I uh, go on a flight there to Seattle, biggest jet lag of my life, right? Nine hour time difference, you know, popping Red Bull after, uh, after another. And uh, I'm there. I'm there and I'm sitting on the same table as some of the biggest names in the industry. My heroes, PewDiePie, Markiplier, Jacksepticeye, and they're with Jelly. You know, and we're just like, hey, I'm orange and he's green. And, you know, you guys got cool <laughs> colors too. And... I yeah. like I would watch these videos and study them and be like, yo, PewDiePie is so good at editing. How is he doing two videos a day and editing this well? This is this is what I strive for. Like, I'm gonna do this. I'm this is what I'm aiming for. And I'm sitting at the table around or like over there, and Felix just looks over and goes, you know, to like Mark Blair. He goes, So, 
how are your editors doing? And I look over and I'm like, did I hear that correct? These guys have editors and it's just mind blown, right? Yeah. And before this, I spoke to, uh, you know, other big YouTubers like KSI. You, you, you came to Amsterdam um, and, and we're chatting in a taxi. We, we went out to party together and he goes, yeah, I have an editor, but I'm not going to say it to anyone because it's so taboo to have an editor. You know, people want to see you edit it yourself. Now it's right. the most common thing in the world. Back then it wasn't. It was like a risk. So I realized these guys, my my heroes, they got editors. And it, obviously, I'm not going to go hate on them. I'm like, cool. That's for me the green light that I should get people helping me. And I opened up my Facebook. And guess what? A friend of mine had messaged me right there. And then, hey, do you need an editor? And I go, yeah, you're hired. <laughs> Come over. Right? Come over when I'm back home. So, um, yes. Yeah, so that's when I switched up and, and really started... Uh, that was the beginning of me tackling my YouTube career as a as a as a, as a business, as a real career, as a company, um, and and that's also what provided me, Jelly and Slogo, with the longevity, right? The fact that all of us are still making videos and getting great views, right? Um, uh, the, the the understanding that this is not just talent we're talking about. We're talking about uh, a strategy. Uh, right. We're talking about uh, not doing it on your own, doing it with a team. And then you really quickly see, okay, being a YouTuber has, is not about just the show. It's about the entire business backing. It. It's about the business model. It's about all these things. And, and beautiful YouTubers like Mr. Beast, uh, they flourish because they, they understand this. Were you ever worried like the quality of your videos would go down if you did you know, hire an editor or start you know, forming a company? Oh, 100%. That's uh, only the most uh, uh, most common thing, right? But if you want to uh, never take risks in your life, you're yeah. never going to go on a date with the prettiest girl out there, right? So so I always just say, you got to be resilient. You got to be ready to face plant in dirt. And then you got to get up and yeah. go again and face plant again. And a beautiful Japanese saying is, fall seven, rise eight. And it pretty much means never give up and and. Uh, be ready to take risks. So, uh, you know, being a good entrepreneur, being a good YouTuber is pretty much the same thing. It's being able to take these risks, but when you fail, and there's a big chance you will fail, you get up and don't feel like it's the end of the world. So if you hire an editor and the quality is terrible, it doesn't mean you're not, you're not a magician or something. Like there's going to be somewhere, someone out there in the world that is going to get... Uh, uh, you know, great edits to you uh, because all you did was was you taught it yourself. It's a skill you can teach, um, and therefore it should be possible to replicate with someone else. Your group with with Jelly and Sloga Robust was that made on purpose or was that more of like an accident? Do you think we we knew we were a group together, but we never branded it as a group. We never said we are a group. We never said we are robust. Very unofficially did we say it because, um. <clears throat> to us, it, it, there there were different commitments uh, tied to us being a brand, right? <clears throat> we really wanted to sell ourselves as individuals uh, that are a family together, but not say, hey, we are this group like the Sidemen. And, and a lot of things uh, held us back there too, right? Like I lived in a country, Jelly lived in a country, different country, and Slogan lived in a different country. So uh, we could. Ne it's very hard for us to say, let's get back together and 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 do stuff together. Those were some 
some struggles we ran into. You lived with Jelly and Slogo at one point, right? Like kind of like a YouTuber house? Yes, I, I lived with Jelly and then we sometimes made it seem like Slogo would live there too. But I, I did live with Jelly for a, a year in Amsterdam. Yeah, like one. It was like one of the first like YouTuber YouTuber house mansions or whatever. Yeah, very quickly did we realize that if we all get together, we can combine our strengths, our knowledge, our powers, and make really good videos together. Um, and it was great. Yeah, like th those were some of the the golden days for us because we would record and then we we could make great videos together and fun videos together and. Uh, we could we could sit down and brainstorm YouTube, or we could go to parties together and, and network there together. It was uh, it was lovely, and Slogo would come over every now and then. Which types of videos did you enjoy doing the most? The the real life videos with Jelly and Slogo, or the gaming videos with them? Yeah, it, it was a balance, right? So um, the reason we were able to upload so many videos is because we would do the gaming videos together. But um, what the fans loved the most, based on the stats, were the ones where we would be in real life, like we would be together there. That was the fan engaging content. And if I could say, all right, let's make the most viral channel of us three, it would be like a sideman channel where it's all three of us doing IRL content. That's literally what the data shows would be the most viral content. But know that if we would do IRL videos, it would have to be one for me, one for Slogo, one for Jelly. This is three IRL videos and they're super time consuming. So they would be us in preparation. We would prepare for them while we're doing this grind uh, of daily videos. And then we put out a banger video. And, and some of my most viral videos and everyone's most viral videos uh, include some of these beauties. Did you guys ever like consider making like a group channel? Yes, we, we did. Um, but we re really didn't think that it would be um uh, it would it, it didn't fit it didn't fit for us it wasn't a thing for us uh because like i said 14 to 16 hour days you know they didn't stop from one day to the other then like once i got editors there were 10 to 12 hour days you know yeah. so we didn't have any room it would go at a cost of our own personal brands and um you know, our, our, our own personal brands are, are so much more valuable than those group channels. And, and this is also when the views were, were through the roof. Uh, so there was absolutely no point in us doing that. Uh, this was also well before there were any experienced people in the industry that we could hire to go and do this. Right. So, we, you know, we couldn't just hire a production team to say, OK, you guys just take all the pressure off us because that just wasn't there. No one had heard of that. No one had seen it. Um, and, and therefore we just decided, cool, no group channel. We don't even announce that we're a group. We're just going to proceed, continue and, and just make fun videos like how we, how we always do. In your peak, do you think, uh, the robust, uh, group combined was bigger than the sidemen? Yes. On average. Yes. yes. Um, so, uh, the reason for it is because we're only with three, right? So if you'd have to figure out, okay, well, they're a group of seven, um, divide up uh, 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 based on the numbers um what or why right like yes we you know the robust group obviously craner is 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 part of it too now kind of in a way officially unofficially who knows right um and 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 cody and a key back in the day too like but looking at the at the core at the core of like the the um for its most most of its life 
everyone within the robust team has had YouTube channels that aren't just big, they're Titan status. We're talking 10 million subscribers plus, right? We're talking billions of views consistently. Uh, I can only imagine if all three of us would say, chill, let's retire and focus on one channel, how gigantic that channel would be. It's, 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 uh, um, I think it wouldn't be fair. It really would not be fair. Um, and, and therefore, yes, I do think, um, if, if you would look at that, we, uh, we did hit points that, uh, were us being the biggest group that has ever been on the platform and, and with the legacy that we have still are. Um, but obviously what the sidemen is doing is revolutionary. It's great. It's really cool. It's really awesome. I love those guys. Massive shout out to them. And they're paving the way and they're on track to definitely be even bigger than we ever were. But at this point in time, I would say they're not there yet. What do you think of like the Sidemen's content? They're posting like one hour long videos every week. I mean, who would have thought that kind of content would have ever done well? Well, if you've ever watched TV, you would have known that's yeah, definitely yeah. <laughs> possible, right? And um, I love it. I love it. I, I think it's a, it's an interesting way. It, it makes sure the CPMs are much higher. Um, the audience loyalty is 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 bigger and uh, people love seeing these guys together like like I, I, what I said you know um and they're they're just releasing thing after thing after thing uh, at the at the beginning it was just merch sales right and and they would figure out how to split the merch sales and that was a big big issue and now it's just like yo we've got these big production companies helping us make these sick videos and uh, it's getting stupid amount of views and probably millions millions and millions in revenue um so yeah very cool this is this is a uh you know we're learning more and more about the space and the space is ever evolving so robusto is extremely popular why did you leave it yes great question um i i kind of left it for um uh there there was no falling out right this is the first thing people say was there a fight Buddy, you don't want to know how many fights there was between me, Jaylen, and Slogar throughout the years, right? But uh, we always would resolve them. But there wasn't a fight that led to me leaving. Um, it was more of that I wanted to focus more on myself. I was uh, I was going through a depression at the time. Uh, I was burned out too. I was in a, in an abusive relationship I didn't want to be in. And um, uh, uh, for me, I realized that um, my work was very much uh, interfering with my life here. And, uh, it, it made it that for years, all I did was focus on my work, uh, that my, I, I completely lost track of my life around it. And, you know, this is an easy example is, you know, all my, I didn't see any friends. Right. And then the second thing was my physical health. And the third one that came was my mental health. So, um, I, I, I realized I was in a relationship I didn't want to be in. Um, and, um, uh, my, my body was, I just couldn't do it anymore. I physically was burned out. I had a burnout and I was not able to, um, make videos with these guys anymore. Like how I, how I used to. And, uh, I, I was in a, I was in a dark place and I said, you know what? Uh, I gotta do solo content is what I said to the guys, right? I gotta, I'm going to do reaction content because it's easy. I'm going to do solo reaction content because I can't deal with the four hour long recording sessions. I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with any of that. And, and that gave me the time to focus on myself and to work on myself 
And that's what I've been doing for the past, uh, what is it, two years almost since I left. Um, really focusing on myself and, and, and focusing on, um, you know, uh, uh, things that give me energy. Do you miss the robust days? Do you miss playing with Jelly and Slogan? Of course, of course I miss the guys. Yes, um, of course, right? And it's a beautiful memory to, to hold on to. Um, I don't regret any of the decisions that I made. And, uh, you know, me and Slogo still talk uh, every now and then. Um, I just haven't seen them in a while, which is a shame. I think uh, uh, it, it, it all happened when Corona kicked in. And that was the biggest pain uh, because I would see them every now and then. Right. We, I left and then we went to Japan together and, and we went to this place together and that place. And, you know, I would see them. I see them in LA and we'd hang out and talk and COVID hit. And it's just like, I, you know, these guys, you spend years knowing, you know, some of your best friends in the world, like they're just gone. And uh, you don't see them right? because like we wouldn't, first we would play all day together. And then it was like, okay, now you don't play. Now you just see them at the events and then the events don't happen. Um, so that kind of also accelerated all of this, right? I, I think um, if that never happened there, you would have seen a collab every now and then, right? Um, but that didn't happen, and and I accepted that fairly quickly. And you know, I love the guys, um, and I have nothing but respect for them. But I decided to uh, start working on a on a different future in the meantime, um, and and not cling on to the past for too long. Do you think you might ever uh, join back, or maybe there might be a reunion with with Robust oh, ever? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But um, I, I I don't think we'll uh, uh we'll come back as as you know, right? Um. Uh, so I don't think you're going to see the, the GTA days, right? Like, oh, Jelly is like, oh, whatever. Um, like, that's a, it's a different chapter, right? We're like, we're evolving. We're growing up as adults. We're, we're uh, different people now. And, and I think for me, it, it doesn't feel right to go back and, and, and do anything like that. I'm like, no, I committed to this and this is what I want. This is a choice that I made. And, I don't I don't want to go back to them and 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 ask them to join the group or be in the group. That's that uh, um that's that's really not what I want, but what I would love to see in the future and I'm I'm going to say I'm not I'm not saying this is impossible, but in my honest opinion the coolest thing that would happen would be we would be the best three top gear hosts you could ever imagine. <laughs> right? I'm just saying That'd be great. And be and, great. and and in a format like that, I'm like, cool. It would be the three of us back in a setting, in a space focused on a topic that we all love, GTA racing cars, right? And the banter would still be there because there could even be some form of competition like, yo, buddy, but you left the group, right? Like, this is just a fun banter. But that's just like, I'm like, maybe for a one-off, right? Who knows? I, I, when I envision a reunion, it would be that. It would be it would be us uh, at just on a completely different platform, completely different show. Yo, pitch someone pitch this to Netflix, Amazon. Let's go give these guys a big fat paycheck, and I think everyone will be happy. <laughs> that'd be that'd be great. That'd be great. And yeah. you know, I've you see a lot more of this uh, this high production value content on YouTube, yeah. and you see these creators doing this stuff. I don't think it's really you know out of reach. Since becoming extremely popular on YouTube, you've met with a lot of hate and criticism. Does that bother you at all? Not anymore, no. Um, 
so YouTube comes with a lot of negativity too, and, and it's it's uh, often very tough to deal with this. Uh, you know, the biggest lesson I can give is focus on the positives and just focus on the positives. You know, hate, there's always going to be hate. There's always going to be criticism. And people are allowed to have criticism. People are allowed to express their opinions. People are allowed to say mean things. But that you're allowed to, to take it however you want. You're in control to twist this the way that you want to twist this. And, and at the end of the day, I know that I have a beautiful life, that I have a beautiful girlfriend, that I have great friends, and that I am um, in a position that, uh, you know, millions of other people would love to be in. Um, so someone throwing some hate at me then, I'm like, cool, okay, that's, that's you know, you having a bad day, that's fine, but I'm not going to let that affect my day. In the current climate of YouTube, do you think extreme clickbait is the only way to give views? Oh, no, no way. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um... I think it's important to know what drives uh, YouTube views, right? So I love going into YouTube analytics talks. I can talk about this for hours, uh, but we don't have enough time for that. Um, you know, the, YouTube decides to uh, give you more views to just keep it in very simple terms. Uh, if you get a high click-through rate and a high average view duration, right? Um, but the average view duration is weighed heavier than CTR, but CTR is still weighed extremely heavy, right? Um, if you can keep people watching, uh, you don't need to hit that high CTRs uh, for you to get a ridiculous amount of views. Uh, but do also know that that doesn't mean you shouldn't get, you shouldn't get people to click. Doing extreme clickbait is one part, one niche uh, that can work for you, right? Like if we're talking extreme clickbait in a good way, we're talking Mr. Beast, right? He does that wonderfully, but really. Not everyone watches Mr. Beast, okay? He wants everyone to watch him, of course. He's a big YouTuber. Uh, but there's still other demographics that you can uh, you can definitely dominate without ever, without ever having to uh, go and do the extreme. Reaction videos are something pretty pretty large right now. Um, a lot of YouTube creators like Sniper Wolf, yourself, and other various creators. Do you think that that kind of content has a long-term future on the platform? Certainly. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they, they, uh, uh, the topics, the videos, uh, they uh, result in high CTR. People love it. There's always more content being made to react to. Uh, opinions. People love opinions. People love watching videos with other people. Uh, people's commentary over it. The average duration is great because the foundation of these reaction videos is great content, right? And slap over some of your own extra sauce to make it a little bit more transformative. Uh, and you're good, you're golden. Um, the only battle that's happening there is uh, against copyright owners, holders, right? Uh, people don't realize how much um, added value a reaction video has to your work. Yes, I understand that this is your hard work, but yes, also understand that this is fair use and also understand that I am providing a lot of value if I'm reacting to something in a good way for your brand. And it's getting views because of my brand, not just because of yours. It's a combination, it's a group effort and we do this together. Um, it's it's a very old fashioned way of thinking, thinking that it only gets views because I've re-uploaded or Sniper Wolf has re-uploaded it, but it's much more than that. And um, currently there's so many big problems with it. Uh, the fact that revenue uh, splits are unfair, right? Like if you own a 10 second clip in a 50 minute long video, you get all the revenue rather than whatever percentage that is. Uh, I think that's just stupid. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. 
Um, and it's unfair. And, and people are abusing the system and people are uh, capitalizing on it. But it, it'll just be a matter of time before better systems are in place there uh, uh, that will provide uh, people with even uh, more room to grow in the reaction department. So let me ask you, you're talking about fair use and copyright. <clears throat> There's a lot of different, obviously, the problem, I think the biggest problem is you have a lot of different regions of the world, different countries that have different laws. Um, and that, that really makes it difficult. You have the United States and, you know, it's, it, I think the law in the United States is a little more lenient, whereas like Europe has more, uh, strict, uh, copyright laws. How do you think like YouTube could, you know, work with that? Like YouTube already kind of just deals, uh, doesn't really deal with it. Right. They, mm -hmm. they let, you yep. know, uh, creators and, uh, copyright holders dispute it themselves. Yeah. So in the How YouTube terms you of service, right. In the YouTube terms of service, it says, uh, that any lawsuit would have to happen under uh, U.S. law, California law, if I'm correct. Right, right. Meaning that, hey, cool, all right, you want to get, you want to sue me? Let's go. Like I have infinite money to protect this business, right? And I know, like I'm willing to fight. I have absolutely, like I don't, I do not care. And it, I know if I go and fight, there are cases done before me that, uh, 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 you know, set a president, pre president, whatever you call it. And I also know class action lawsuit, I, I, I'm one tweet away of getting 10 other YouTubers to join me, right? Yeah. So I'm ready to fight and I know that what I do is not stealing your content. It is not copyright infringement. And I'm willing to show pages and documents and studies and whatever is necessary to convince uh, 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 the judges that that what I what I do is transformative or or any other YouTubers and I'm happy to help them out too um but thankfully very often uh, does it not get that far I've had countless of people claiming they would sue me and I say come come over let's go I have some I have the best lawyers in the Netherlands who have friends who are the best lawyers in the US I have all the money in the world that I can spend on defending uh, what I stand for. And it's not just defending myself, but it's defending the entirety of YouTube, right? Because if right. my case fails, they'll just go over to all these other guys and be like, well, the, you know, this is what the, this is what the, the, the history said about it. Well, I think a lot of uh, lawmakers, you know, they, they look at it from an older approach, more of the, the TV and media, mm -hmm. uh, traditional media approach, where it's like, if you're going to use a little bit of a song, say in a TV show, in a movie, you got to license it. And I think that's kind of how they look at it. Now, yeah. to a lot of like independent creators, you know, they might not have the $30,000 to license that clip or whatever that it would cost to put it on television. Yeah. Um, so it's BS. It is. In some it cases, yeah. Because then I'm like, all right, but you can make a TikTok and use a song. And right. and then, but then they're like, yeah, but that's license or whatever. Is it really like, do you know the details? I don't. But I'm like, okay, but then TikTok, it's good. YouTube, it's not okay. All right, sure, whatever. But what about reacting to something? On TikTok, the biggest guy does reaction content. Is that then... Uh, does he need to license those clips because there's a built-in reaction feature? Are you going to sue him because he's using the built-in reaction feature that credits your work? So on TikTok, you don't ever hear anyone talking about a, a DMCA a takedown notice because they've reacted to a video because it's integrated in, the, in, in, in TikTok. And True. then we have YouTube where I go into your reaction content or someone else does it. And then it's like, yo, buddy, you're breaking the law. And I'm like, all right. Which world are we living in? Really?
Well, I think, and I, obviously, I, I, I agree with fair use. I'm a YouTube creator myself, and I have had issues with that. But I think the reason like TikTok doesn't really get too much conversation is because they re they really don't have a monetization program. Like they have the creator fund, but like it's like pennies. Yeah. So agreed, right? And the moment more and more money comes into play, you don't ever hear someone suing a YouTuber with a thousand subs. The yeah. moment it's a it's a million subs, you're like, all right, ten million. Oh boy, we're ready. We got bots running, scraping your channel, waiting for you to even say a Taylor Swift lyric, and we'll sue you, <laughs> right? right. Uh, because there's money involved, and that's all these companies are out after. I'm here to make fun videos and entertain people, okay? And all the money my YouTube channel makes goes back into the business, back into starting other YouTube channels, paying salaries of my employees, and I didn't take a single dollar out of it, okay? I, st I stopped doing that years ago. I just want to make the most fun videos possible, okay? These companies, however, they need to please their shareholders. And what do the shareholders want? They want money. They want, they're greedy. Their entire business model is built on purchasing clips so that they can then go to YouTube and claim videos, all right? This is messed up. And it's happening right now with Jelly. He's had like 5,000 videos claimed, striped. I don't know the exact details, but it's one of these companies that goes, all right, Jelly's has, for this is what they can do. This is why the system's broken, all right? They can... Go to Jelly's channel. They hear his outro song that he's used for the past five years. Okay? They then go to the people who've made this outro song. Okay? Then they go convince them for a million dollars. I want to have exclusive license to this, to this outro song. They say, sure, that's a million dollars. Why not? They're like, we're rich. Now, this is what the company does. They then buy the license, whereas Jelly previously had a deal with the original artists. Okay, I'm, and once again, I'm not saying this is what happened, but this could happen. Jelly has a deal with the original artist that he could use the license. Okay, now a copyright company comes over, purchases the license for a million dollars from these original people, then proceeds to extort Jelly because they can now claim every single one of his videos, backtracking years and say, all right, all the revenue your channel is generating is now ours because you used five seconds of a song I just purchased the license to, even though you had permission at the time, now that permission has expired. I can now claim all of your revenue unless you go and uh, uh, cut out all of your outro songs. So you start cutting out all your outro songs and now they strike you because they're like, yo, all right, you're, you caught us. Our next extortion tactic is striking you down. And the only way for you to win is for you to counter these strikes, which then means we have to go to court and they're willing to defend their crazy purchase of this outro song. So, so these are messed up, old-fashioned things happening right now. It has nothing to do with just YouTube. It has all everything to do with these companies that should be illegal. This should be illegal. This is not... How could you do this? For example... You have a beautiful poster behind you. Imagine, I then go and purchase the license now that I see you have it. Right. Purchase the license to your poster. And then I get it for like 100 bucks, the exclusive license. I can then go to all the videos you've made with that poster in the background, <laughs> backtracking it and claim all of this. And I can sue you for it. And I could probably win. That is yeah. messed up. A lot of creators don't have the money to fight that though. So that's that's the thing. But yeah, yeah exactly. it, is, it is crazy. 
going back to like you know jelly and getting striked and all of, or, or copyright claimed and all of that there should be some sort like if you buy the license to a song it should you should have the rights the right to like strike or to claim a video after that period not not before that period if that makes sense yes and i think you should also uh in writing inform uh peoples that their license has expired um but then on top of that, if I get a license with the idea that I could have it forever, like this is a whole messed up issue with licenses. That's not how it works. This is the real world. This is ever evolving. You have a license like, buddy, listen, a new Netflix show comes out. I'm like, oh, dope. Okay, cool. I go and check it out in the Netherlands. It's not available on Netflix Netherlands because uh, Amazon Prime has the exclusive license to it. Like, yo, What? Buddy, like, are we living in the Middle Ages? No, like, this should just be worldwide. This is why blockchain and cryptocurrency is the future of all of this. This would tackle all of these issues. There's no borders on the internet, ladies and gentlemen. I do not care where you're from. We're here having this conversation, which, you know, back in the day would be complicated. You'd have to come over to the Netherlands, interview, or the other way around. You'd need to get a visa. You need to get permission. You need to get a hotel and this and that. You need to get a broadcaster license. You need me to sign uh, a piece of paper that states that a release, uh, yeah. a release form. Like, buddy, no. Like, I'm here voluntarily. You don't have to be an idiot to, for me to know that this is a podcast. Like, come on. You should some common sense. You just mentioned crypto. You are the founder of Launch My NFT. What is that about? Beautiful transition. Uh, for years, I've, um, uh, as, a, as a hobby, uh, been digging into crypto. And, um, uh, you know, more recently, uh, I, I always wanted to start a crypto company. More recently did I... Um, uh, did I really jump into it with the NFTs making things much more accessible for, for creators? Um, and I realized that there's so much stuff the space still needs before everyone gets into it. Uh, we're at the early days of crypto. We're at the early days of NFTs. And um, I ran into a bunch of problems myself. I wanted to make my own randomly generated collection of NFTs to then give away to my audience for free. I realized that just like with YouTube videos back in the day, if you wanted to make your own YouTube video 50 years ago, you'd be filming it all, then cutting it out to edit it together. Then how are you going to upload this to the internet? Buddy, that's impossible. You'd have to host something to then put a video on there. You'd have to get a video encoder and then on the internet, link this to people and discovery. And it's just almost impossible. And uh, I realized that's where NFTs are now. If you want to uh, make NFTs, people don't even know what's possible with them. Um, it's really hard to make it and sell it and, and get it to people. And I uh, said to myself, I want to accelerate this. I want to help people out. Um, so we make it really easy for you to, uh, to launch your own randomly generated NFT collection. And it's not out there, but everyone wants apes. Everyone wants NFTs. Everyone wants to make them. And we just say, cool, we've automated the entire process and it takes five minutes rather than two months and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars, uh, invested in a team. NFTs seem to be the future in some cases. I've seen a lot of people, my own friends, invest in NFTs. Um, they, I think they took the world by storm. I remember, you know, people having the conversation, you're buying an image, you know, how does that make any sense? But yeah. like, 
how okay so if someone uses launch my nft so they say they want to make an nft collection how do they sell that collection does it go on like pancake swap yeah, or you know I, I can right so i can give you a good <laughs> example pancake swaps for tokens uh okay. as far as i know not for nfts um so okay but, but yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, no that's fine that's fine i'll run you through it and this is what i mean like you know some stuff about it and even don't know the nitty-gritty i'm here to help everyone get access to it that's that's what i love doing so Starting off, if you want to launch your own collection, you need to create the art. This makes sense, but you can also let it an AI make the art, whatever. Get the art is step one. Step two, this is where it gets complicated. But just let me say, from here, we can do the work with Launch My NFT. First of all, you need to have a bunch of different properties, which you then need to randomly generate in 10,000 different versions. You can use a Python script for it or any other program that supports this, but most there's no real programs out there that support this. You generate 10,000 different variations. You need to also have metadata of these traits attached to it. So you got two, ten, two files uh, 10,000 times. Then once you have all of this, you need to start putting this on the blockchain. This is stupidly complicated. People don't even know what blockchain means. So you need to uh, have a smart contract that puts it on the blockchain. If you want to know Ethereum, you got to know Solidity. If you want to put it on Solana, you got to know Rust. These are programming languages that you're like, I don't even have, I even have no heard idea. of them, <laughs> right? So let alone you being able to do this. So you put the smart contract on there. And then for people to be able to get these NFTs out there, you need to host a mint and host a minting page, which you need an HTML website for. I have heard of HTML. People say, cool, go and host a website on it. Then make sure people can link their MetaMask wallets to it. Then proceed uh, to provide people with a mint. And uh, once they have that mint button there and the mint works, that's when the process can start. But there's so many other issues because how is anyone going to find this website that you've just made? right second of all how do they know they can trust you right because there's people you you connect your wallet they drain it all they hack you or you connect your wallet you pay them and they just leave these are all things happening right now so let's say you find this legit website with the legit thing you connect you then purchase it and that's how you get one nft get people to do it ten thousand different times it's like the birth of these NFTs, you're the first person to have it. You create them by minting, you give birth to them. Then you got 10,000 different NFTs, which are uh, available on other markets such as OpenSea. And that's where you can buy and sell. What does Launch My NFT do? You grab your files, you upload them. We do everything and provide you with a mint page. And it's simple. That's it. So it's like you upload a video to YouTube and YouTube right. does it all for you and then even starts distributing it to people. You just fill out the title in the description, upload a thumbnail, and you're done. And that's the same philosophy that uh, we have with Launch My NFT. Drag your files, out comes a page. So is this service free or do you guys take some sort of commission? Free. And all we do is on every mint, we grab 2.5% commission. At first I was thinking, hmm, YouTube takes like 45%, but it's like, that's way <laughs> too high. And then I thought, okay, well, uh, an industry standard often is a 2.5%. You see it returning pretty often. And I said, just a one-time fee. Uh, uh, we're really doing this to help the industry, right? To help it 
So so if you're like, hey, I want to launch my own collection, we support like three different blockchains. You can just go and do it. If you have 20 bucks, you could launch your own collection, right? So so I want uh, uh, your uncle to be able to do it. I want your little brother to be able to do it. And uh, um, uh, if they can do it, I think everyone can do it. And that's going to uh, uh, pique a lot more interest in this space. So I have a two-parter. Um, when does Launch My NFT become available and um how can people use it like where do they go to to access it uh november 30th launchmynft.io uh if you want to know more definitely uh, just google launch my nft or go to twitter link in the description as well links link is in the description that's also a possibility uh yeah launchmynft.io november 30th and um i'm 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 stupidly excited it's just it's like the coolest thing i've ever made uh yeah, and I'm just so proud of everyone working on it because it's it, it's going to put out a lot of people out of business in a good way. You know, we're like, okay, cool. Don't worry about it. We do all the hard work for you. It's just all automated. It's trustworthy. Uh, we, we have safety things in place. So hacking is impossible. Stealing your funds is impossible. They should really help the space uh, evolve and give people uh, the opportunity to focus much more time and energy on the real interesting parts. Like, what are you gonna use these NFTs for? What would the art look like? What does it stand for? Rather than how do I upload this to the blockchain? And that's awesome because you're, you're investing in the future. You know, this yep. is something, you know, obviously NFTs are gonna become more and more of a bigger thing in the future. So I have one last question for you. And that is, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Still doing YouTube or something else? Yes, great question. Um, where do I see myself in five years? Um, what we didn't really talk about, and I, I kind of keep it very private, is um, I am obviously making YouTube videos uh, on Quibble Cup, but I also have a lot of other channels. And these are VTuber channels, uh, and I run them like how I run Quibble Cup. Uh, uh, they're ran by an entirely different team. They don't rely on me but I still get the uh, um, gratification of me making YouTube videos and doing YouTube. Um, so in five years from now, I see myself running 10 of these channels uh, and making a lot less videos on Quibble Cup uh, because it just takes so much time and energy from me. Um, and I see a, 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 a crypto business that's bigger than I ever thought uh, imaginable. I see NFTs be huge, metaverse gaming be huge. Um, and, and I have a gaming company and I, I, I see this all working together, just all forms of entertainment. Um, and I still think I, uh, I, I'll have a beautiful girlfriend at the same time. That's some great, those, those are some great, great goals to set over the next five years. And, uh, Hey, I want to thank you, Jordy, for joining me on uh, real time. Check out launch my NFT. The link will be in the description. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for watching. Thank you for having me.